0: Hi, I'm Key.
1: And I'm V. And
0: this is We Shouldn't Talk About This.
1: Good day to you, Key. Good day to you, V. I think today is a terrific day to talk about something crazy.
0: Well, let's do that.
1: Okay. Do you mind if I start this time?
0: Absolutely. Let's switch it up on them for episode eight.
1: That's right. So let me go ahead and put you in our turn portal right now. Um, If you step into one of these uh, police boxes from the United Kingdom, you'll be transported back to 1977 Wales. Now, this was a time of, you know, uh, cool things happening in the UK, and there are lots of, you know, it's also a time, good time for music, a time for parties and festivals, and a great time for a little thing called LSD. Do you know what LSD is, Keith?
0: Um, the only LSD I'm familiar with is the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds.
1: Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, huh?
0: That's the only LSD I'm familiar with.
1: Well, that is good to hear that you're not an LSD user. No. But I have some fun facts about LSD to tell you real quick.
0: Well, hot damn, I love fun facts.
1: <laughs> so LSD actually stands for lysergic acid diethylamide.
0: You didn't sound so sure about that last word. <laughs> yeah,
1: the no. diethylamide. Diethylamide. That one sounds about right. Okay. Anyway, it was invented in 1938 by Swiss scientist Albert Hoffman while he was researching the medicinal uses of a crop fungus. It began to gain popularity as a street drug in the mid-1960s, but was banned in the UK in 1966. The maximum penalty for possession is seven years in prison and life for supply. Commonly causes visual and auditory distortion with quote-unquote trips lasting up to eight hours.
0: Oh hell no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a long time. That's a whole work shift of just tripping. Right. Hallucinating. So so you can see why it would be a a big a big thing, you know, to crack down on when it's like, you know, heavily distributed, like, you know, and uh, always like associated with parties and music festivals and things like that, right? Right. So 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 sometimes you got to take matters to your own hands when you are a uh, on the police force, you know, when you have to crack down on crime, but it's really hard because the internal drug ring is, you know, pretty big, and uh, most of the time, criminals outnumber the police force. Right. So, that's why we, that's why in the UK, they left it up to the police force, and um, the Dyfield Field Police, who were, who were stationed in Wales, and they decided to, why not become one of the hippies, and get in good on where everything is going down. Get in, get in good on where the drug's really coming from and where it's being distributed and how they can put an end to it once for all.
0: Sounds like somebody just wanted to trip for eight hours.
1: It's yeah, I think I think that low key wanted just to trip on trip themselves, but they needed a good reason to, you know, being the law and all. Right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start my story.
0: Oh, gather around children. It's time for a tale of crime.
1: It began in the unlikely setting of Cambridge University's radical academic fringe. Inspired by LSD pioneer Timothy Lowry's belief that the drug broadened the mind and could transform society for the better. So the catalyst was David Solomon. He was a California-born California bohemian intellectual and associate of Lowry's who came to Cambridge in, the ni- in 1967. Two years later, he was introduced to, Robert, to Richard Kemp, a, li- a Liverpool University chemist. Soon, Kemp was meeting others in, in Solomon's Circle, and their first LSD production runs began at the California man's home. So, as you see right here, it's, we went back another 10 years, because this right here is where it really um, began and blew up. This was like, you know, the uh, evidence that was brought to the attention after they caught everyone. One of the radicals who came to assume the key role within the organization was Leif Fedling, An anarchist, former public school boy who dropped out of the university following his introduction to acid at the age of 18. Ripe age. Yeah. He turned to raw chemicals and he he, uh, he turned raw chemicals into individual doses and later took over the distribution network. As he recounts in his latest I'm not gonna say that part. We were all extremely idealistic, he recalls. I was convinced that this was the answer to the world's problems. LSD? <laughs> yeah, like, to broaden, to broaden the human minds, you know? Okay, okay, sir. <laughs> we saw it as a new awakening out of the terrible impasse that the world had gotten itself into. So so this right here, like, you know, was after, you know, of course, World War Two, and then... So it, was, so it was after World War II, which was a war that the UK was involved in. Right. And so this right here was like this right here was his way of saying like you know like instead of war, if we turn to these pills, we will all be peaceful with one another and love each other and love our planet. In 1973, feel f- fearful of police attention, one wing of the cooperative, led by Kemp and Solomon, moved to West Wales, while another branch remained in London.
0: Mm, split up. Good, yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, plan there. Good
1: plan. <laughs> Kemp had a girlfriend. Her last name was Severidians, and Severid- Indians natural beauty attracted a lot of people to like you know their part of the field. Right. So so you know they were they were going to stand behind her because you know she's beautiful. You listen to great music, and these drugs made them everyone feel happy. The LSD ringleaders all held down jobs mixed with their neighbors and stood their rounds in public and local pubs. And as a result, they became popular figures pretty quickly.
0: Okay, yeah, because, you you know, you can't just come out with a whole bunch of money out of nowhere. So, yeah, hold down the job, make everything seem normal. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that plan.
1: Yeah, so they were pretty smart. But then again, they were college students. Like, like you know, there was a college, college chemist. And this other guy that was in Cambridge, I and mean, like, they were pretty bright mind.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Now we're getting into the the good part of it. So, as Kemp recalls, we began we began we began as idyllists, but then paranoia crept in. Of he was right to think this because Richard Kemp was in a car accident. He had he had this rain, red Range Rover, and um, when police thoroughly searched the vehicle, they didn't find drugs. But they found six scraps of paper torn up, and together it spelled hydrazine hydrate, which is a key ingredient in manufacturing LSD.
0: But he was a college student. He might have been just taking a chemistry course and, you and know, to was studying. Like taking notes. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> Had a flashcard. Well, that,
0: that seemed like a big leap.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because honestly, yeah, he was a college student. Like, at the end of the day, he was a college student. So, I mean, I give him a bit of the doubt. It could have been a flashcard or something. Right. But inevitably but inevitably though, this led to an unprecedented multi-police force drugs investigation.
0: From six scraps of paper.
1: Yep. From hydrazine hydrate. <laughs> so um listening devices were installed in the ringleaders' homes, and dozens of undercover officers were sent into West Wales posing as hippies to place them under surveillance during a 13-month operation. So they initially they initially planned for this to be an eight-week op to give them backstories to last them for eight weeks so you could imagine like you know as it went on the office the undercover officers had to come up with their own backstories after a while right
0: right because they'll be meeting
1: new people and everything
0: and then how do you keep all that straight
1: yeah honestly and like and were these officers taking drugs too you know like oh you know they were (laughs) (laughs) so you
0: gotta fit in you gotta make it believable
1: yeah you you gotta make it believable um uh Riaz, he was he was one of the officers, he was one of the officers that was undercover, and he had his account, and he said that uh we grew long hair, we wore jeans, we looked quite scruffy.
0: No, oh, they wore jeans. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> to have worn a stiff collar and tie would have been impossible. Mm. So yeah, jeans. Oh my gosh. The Queen's gasping right now as we speak. She
0: is gasping.
1: Mm. So they, they initially tried to keep a story up of being bird watchers. Okay though soon a lot a lot of the drug-using hippies started suspecting them because they kept seeing groups of like you know men walking together so they thought they were part of a homosexual cult oh, <laughs> now
0: that's the kind of cult we should have covered last <laughs> that
1: is we should we should <laughs> touch on those kind of cults <laughs> And so what happened is, um, they because since since they heard this, like you know, from whisper on whisper, they didn't need any more unneeded uh, attention. So they started um, alliancing female agents to come into the undercover ring.
0: Oh, oh! So now you want some ladies to help?
1: Yeah, that, that's what it takes. You got to be called gay for you to want support from a strong woman.
0: Rat bastard.
1: <laughs> notably, the movie the most uh, most recognized female was Julie Taylor, and that leads to our. Covert operation's name, code name Operation Julie, the drug bust of LSD in 1970s.
0: Operation Julie, I'm down for it.
1: Like that look name too. It really, it really caught my attention. Now it's time to swoop in.
0: Right, let's swoop.
1: So after the 13 month period, on March 26, 1977, the detectives finally broke in. They uncovered evidence of a massive operation, exploiting to a hundred countries whoa and according to some reports supplying 90 percent of the uk's lsd
0: these college kids were not playing around
1: not at all not at all some of the certificates they found were of details of a swiss bank account and it provided further information that the ring had come a long way from its early idealistic roots and it was now a multi-million pound and multi corporation whoa for the police stopping the gang and jailing its leaders was viewed as a massive achievement and subsequent investigations would follow the cross force example of operation Julie. It was, it so it is, it is recorded that after this operation succeeded, the price of LSD went from one pound to five pounds overnight.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, that's just, that's just like, that's for, that's for a little bump, you know, There's no telling what like, you know, wholesale little, magazines full of LSD tissues were worth.
0: Damn police, they ruined everything.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Zeriz <laughs> was interviewed and he said, we were totally convinced that we were doing the right thing. I think every police force in the country at the time had some experience of individuals who had ended up in mental hospitals or been or been involved in serious crime as a result of LSD. But nonetheless... I mean, if
0: you're tripping for eight hours, who knows what you're seeing or thinking you're seeing, or...
1: Yeah, like, imagine if you're, like, if you're, like, on LSD, and you're in your room, and you, like, step on the carpet, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, Dragon, That didn't mean stepping your tail. Like, right. you know, you can, like...
0: Or you, you think somebody's breaking in the house, and you just run outside shooting up people? Who knows what's going on in your head?
1: Yeah, seriously, it's... Mm-mm. I'd imagine it being a really dangerous drug, like, you know, um, with with long-term usage.
0: Right, and then you never know, like, what the... Trip is going to be like. It's not oh, like yeah. it's you know. Yeah,
1: you like know, you yeah. can't think happy thoughts and then it'd be right. a good trip. It just happens. So Richard Kemp, he was sent to thirteen years in prison.
0: Damn.
1: His girlfriend, who I forget to mention, was a qualified doctor, was nine years since nine years in prison.
0: Women do get off a lot easier. Yeah. When it comes to jail.
1: I'm sure our women's prison is pretty rough too, right?
0: I've never been to women's prison. I <laughs> know.
1: Well, why not?
0: I feel like you were trying to insinuate I'm a criminal.
1: Well, I mean, you do like true crime things. You do a lot of research.
0: I do. I do.
1: <laughs> different topic for a different day. Mm hmm. was sentenced to eight years in prison. And having built up a food business and opening an orphanage, he said he had no regrets.
0: So he used his, his money for good.
1: Yeah, 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 he did. He did. Um, well, but I can he. Dig it. But he does say he no longer believes that the LSD could transform the world. Like he no longer has the idealistic, you know. Belief. He probably
0: came up with that belief while he was on LSD.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I now realize how unli- how unrealistic that was. You can't solve the world's problems with a pill, that he says. All That's
0: kind of a- kinda sad, though. Like you know, he kind of lost his zest for trying to make the world a better place.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is sad. I mean I mean he he did he did do good though by, you know, opening the orphanage and doing like a food food production company.
0: Yeah, he tried. He so he tried. That's cool.
1: All right, so, so the Operation they stopped. stopped. It accumulated to about six point five million tabs of L S D. Whoa oh,
0: God
1: damn! <laughs> yeah. Like this is in Wales. This is in Wales and Cambridge. Well started there and then went went around and uh, That had a street value then of 100 million pounds in 1977.
0: Oh my gosh, do we need to see how much that is now?
1: We need to see how much that is. In
0: 1970, 100 million pounds in 2020 would be $664,873,711.34. That's in dollars to dollars, so pounds are like worth more than dollars so that yeah, would
1: be even more even more. That's insane. That's so crazy. It's over
0: half a billion.
1: Yeah. In drug money. Wow. <laughs> but
0: definitely in the wrong business.
1: They all were arrested and faced trial and that pretty much concludes Operation Julie. It was a successful, successful operation and led to many more um, internal ops in the UK's police force. Well
0: good job Operation Julie. I mean, you know, I'm still a little bitter about how Julie had to get pulled into it, like the reasonings, but Yeah. But it was successful and that's all we can ask for.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all we can ask for. But she should have been day one though, for real.
0: Yeah. She should have been. So they got caught up in a sting. And lost everything.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy too because like they were they are hippies, so that's a, something related to your old cult also.
0: Yeah, love the hippies.
1: <laughs> they are just they just trying to have a good time, you know.
0: Yeah, they are trying to save the world and make the world a better place. I mean, I can feel it. Let's try to do it without LSD, but yeah. you know, I, I get I get where they were going. Yeah, yeah. I get I get their you know the end result they were looking for, so I can't come down on it too hard. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty
1: harmless. Pretty harmless
0: i mean you know not lsd but their no thought pattern
1: <laughs> yeah yeah They're, they weren't just like they weren't like yeah let's let's, let's attribute this to kids yeah. let's go to elementary schools and tell kids that these are breath mints
0: yeah crack dealers yeah at least they were trying to just give it to adults yeah as far as we
1: know as far as we know well,
0: mm. well that was interesting though mm. that was very interesting um Not as familiar with LSD as you are now, but I mean, an eight-hour trip, depending on you know, if you were confined to a a house, I guess it wouldn't be so bad. If you're out roaming the streets, I wouldn't recommend.
1: Yeah, seriously. So if you have more than one story in your house, don't you like you know think you can fly?
0: Yeah, yeah. -hmm. yeah. Well, I guess we will get into my story which is about ira and susan bernstein of new york new york
1: new york new york
0: yes not old york oh so ira and susan bernstein met at penn state in the 1990s she went on to study education and he later received a doctorate in podiatry They were married in 2002, and the early years of their marriage were happy. Together, they had two daughters and a son, whom Susan looked after as a stay-at-home mom. As Ira's podiatry practice blossomed, he invested in real estate, buying a number of nearby properties. Which is smart, like real estate investments.
1: That's an investment.
0: Yeah, especially if you're renting them out. that, That can be really profitable. Yeah. So from the outside, it must have seemed like 42-year-old Ira Bernstein had it all. A successful podiatrist in the suburbs of New York, he was a fixture of the local community and counted Rockland County's law enforcement officers among his friends and patients. But a decade into their marriage, the Bernsteins started to grow apart and fought constantly. In 2014, Susan Bernstein filed for divorce. She claimed their marriage was marred by domestic violence, and later testified that Ira used threats, intimidation, put-downs, name-calling, mind-games, and humiliation on a daily basis.
1: Sounds like a sad conclusion to that.
0: Not as sad as it's about to get. <clears throat> now, while Ira and Susan were in the middle of this separation, as their marriage deteriorated, Ira began seeing... Kelly Gribaluk, one of his patients, and an aspiring practicing mortician. Hmm. Uh, you know, on this day's work, I couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I had something for it.
0: I, 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 don't, I don't think I could do it. I couldn't. But that was Kelly's job, and she enjoyed it. Now, I'll give you a little backstory on Kelly. At twenty one, she joined the Satmar sect of Has Hasidim, which practices a strict form of Orthodox Judaism. And she was married with three sons by the time she was twenty seven. Later, she sought a divorce and custody of her three sons, also claiming abuse, while her ex-husband alleged she had a- an affair with his nineteen-year-old nephew. Mm. She ultimately lost the custody battle in 2014. So, Ira and Kelly, they bonded over their failed relationships. So, you know, his wife claimed he was an abuser. She claimed her husband was an abuser. You know, they both lost custody of their children. They were just, you know, misery loves company type of deal. Yeah. But... As Ira would later tell Dateline, she completely understood me. And while she spoke of their chemistry and said, I really truly loved him.
1: Ain't that sweet?
0: That is. You know, like I said, they were commiserating misery loves company. But here's where it starts to kind of go downhill. Behind the scenes, though. Ira was hurting financially from malpractice suits and if his divorce settlement went the wrong way, it could have left him broke. Mm. But an expensive divorce settlement wasn't Ira's only financial problem at the time. The same year, he was ordered to cough up $775,000 after being sued by a woman who claimed she couldn't stand without pain following a foot operation he performed. In 2015, another former patient was awarded $1.4 million in damages for an additional botched foot procedure by Dr. Bernstein.
1: That, that first one was a lot of money. Jeez.
0: Well, $1.4 million was the second one. The other one was only
1: 775000
0: Oh, whoa. So, but still, like, both... Hell, that's damn near, that is that is over $2, $2 million total yeah. for just those two. For just
1: those two, yeah.
0: So, um, on top of these troubles, he was also being investigated for fraud. So, in the meantime, Ira and Susan suspended the divorce proceedings in 2016 when Ira agreed to sign over four of his lucrative rental properties to her. So, I mean, she was a stay-at-home mom. She wasn't using her education degree. She didn't have any money coming in. So in order to kind of get her to settle down, he was like, here, take these four money makers, and let's try to, you know, end this whole situation. But as nice as that seemed, he was not excited about it. And that's when he and Kelly decided to hire a hitman to kill his wife and beat up the two insurance agents who were investigating fraud allegations against him.
1: Man, even getting a job as an insurance agent is not safe. Right. Jeez.
0: So fortunately, everyone on the receiving end of this plot, fortunately for them, Kelly trusted the wrong man to get the job done. In spring of 2016, Kelly walks into the office of luxury car dealer Markenzie Luson, a friend who had lent a sympathetic ear during her divorce. So she knew this guy. Mm -hmm. And she kind of assumed he had some underworld connections and, you know, could do... What needed to be done. Why she assumed this. I'm not sure. I don't want to pull the race card. Because Markenzie was black. And Kelly and Ira were white. But that was not a race card pull. That was just a stating of two facts. My race card is still firmly in my pocket.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: So. She asked Markenzie to help. Ira get. Get. Well, she asked him to help her get rid of her new boyfriend's wife. Luzon, I'm assuming he is Creole, (laughs) told the show Murder for Hire that when he asked what she meant, Kelly replied, take her out of the picture. But instead, he went to the police. He was like, he is not about yeah. that life. Yeah. He is not down for these shenanigans.
1: Yeah. He like, I would not be an accomplice Mm-mm. or know anything about a crime in progress.
0: Right. He was like, oh, okay. 911. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please come help me. He was like, no, no, no. That's, that's the, the person in, in auto finance. Her name's 911. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm like, why would you go to a car dealer and ask oh for gosh. his, Okay. Okay.
1: okay. No matter matter how much that you call someone.
0: Right. No matter
1: how much you call someone. Don't
0: just. I I don't understand. I, I really wish I could get her logic of thinking on this. Like, okay, Markenzie's my friend. He sells luxury cars. So obviously he knows a hitman or two. I don't get
1: it. I don't get it either.
0: But so Markenzie went directly to the police. He did not pass go. He did not collect $200 Mm -hmm. straight to the police. So the Ramapo police detectives asked Lausanne to play along with Kelly's request and see where it went. So they installed a hidden camera in his car where they would meet him and Kelly during a month long investigation. Without discussing terms and exchanging money, the police would have no case against her. And when Kelly needed to be explicit about the hit, like he, they needed her to explicitly say, kill this woman, I will pay you.
1: Right. No, no like, you know, out of the picture, wink, wink. Yeah, right. like, say those words.
0: She later said the murder had to look like an accident, perhaps a fatal car crash. On recordings of her conversation with Markenzie, she repeatedly referenced her boyfriend. Now, this is a little bit of what she said. He's in such conflict, Kelly was recorded saying, the guy can't sleep, he can't eat. It's a hard enough decision emotionally that his kids will be without a mom. So it's like he knows what he got to do, but it's killing him. Okay. Okay. Like, not killing him enough because he's still going along with it.
1: Yeah, he doesn't mind having his wife killed.
0: So when Ira's friends in the Ramapo Police Department learned that he might be involved in a murder-for-hire plot, they were shocked. But as the case progressed, it became obvious he was the one calling the shots. He's the boss, Kelly was heard saying on tape. Ira and Kelly eventually negotiated down the price of the hit from $200,000 to Mm $100,000. And then, after that, Ira insisted on meeting LaSalle in person. When he asked how soon he would like to make the hit happen, a hidden video camera captured the the podiatrist telling him, we're thinking ASAP. Now... Before greenlighting the murder of his soon-to-be ex-wife, Ira had another request. Using Kelly as his go-between, he asked Markenzie to intimidate and, uh, and assault the two insurance investigators. You know, like I said, that was a part of their plan. They needed to get him out of all his financial trouble. The fraud investigations, the divorce. So the two were allegedly about to recommend the Rockland County District Attorney's Office to open an investigation into IRA for insurance fraud. Police then approached the men and, working with the makeup artist, created photographs to show them beaten and bloodied. Very good,
1: very
0: good. When Markinzi met next met with IRA, he was shown the photographs of the insurance investigators with their faces covered in blood. Talk soon. Turned to the murder of Susan, and Ira said that Kelly would reach out when the time was right.
1: And Lou Song is—he's uh, doing pretty good for being a car mechanic. He's like yeah. you know, um, directing back- He's oh, a salesman. oh, oh car salesman. Excuse me, he doesn't get his hands—he doesn't get his hands dirty at all. Right,
0: literally. No, me.
1: no oil, no blood, nothing.
0: Mm-mm.
1: So he's—he's he's doing real good. He's doing real good, real good job, like delegate everything to the police and then having... Say, alright, alright, alright. We'll get in contact with them. We'll give you the photos. Just hang tight. In rhythm, we're good.
0: Now, I've seen the dateline on this. Or possibly the 48 hours. Possibly both. I watched both of them a lot. And one of these meetings... Uh... Ira and Kelly got into Markenzie's car. He was in the driver's seat. And... Ira was in the back. Kelly was in the passenger seat and they were just sitting and talking and Ira saw the camera Mm. and he was like, Hey, what's this between the seats? And Markenzie quick on his feet was like, Oh, that hooks up to my kids, uh, game so they can play it. And you know, I'm a, I sell luxury cars. I got the hookup in here, you know, it, it hooks to the games and they cast it on the TV and he was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool. That's pretty neat."
1: Man, dude, is, is, man. He, yeah,
0: is, is the, he he was he was really the linchpin in all of this. Like he yeah. he held it together under pressure. He did a
1: great job. That's awesome.
0: So, Iris told him, "When Kelly gives you the okay, then it came from me." Now he was seen on surveillance saying that. Mm. Now a few days later. Kelly asked Markenzie to meet her in the Walmart parking lot. She stood outside of his car and held up her cell phone and said, okay, the answer is this. In an audio recording, Markenzie reads the screen of the phone, which contains the text, yes. Kelly then got into the car, why she couldn't do that in the car, I don't know, to discuss Susan Bernstein's schedule and his payment for killing her. Authorities had the evidence they needed to prove conspiracy to commit murder. On the night of March 2nd, 2016, police took Ira and Kelly into custody. They were charged with felony counts of second-degree conspiracy, second-degree solicitation, and fourth-degree conspiracy, and a misdemeanor count of fourth-degree solicitation. Man. In video footage of Ira's interrogation by the police, he seems to be more concerned about publicity and the future of his career than his family.
1: Ira's a dirtbag, bag, man.
0: Yeah. Now, Ramapo police detective Tom Hatch told the show Murder for Hire that when Susan Bernstein was informed of the murder plot, she said, actually, I'm not shocked. Which is sad.
1: I bet, yeah.
0: Now, Kelly Gribaluck pled guilty to three counts of conspiracy in September 2016. And Ira struck a deal months later pleading guilty to one felony count of second-degree conspiracy involving the plot to kill his wife and two misdemeanor counts of fifth-degree conspiracy for the assault on the insurance investigators. Mm. He would later plead guilty to grand larceny in the third degree, charges related to the insurance fraud committed through his medical practice. Now, both Ira and Kelly were sentenced in May 2017. Ira was given 15 years in prison with parole available after five. And Kelly received 12 years in prison with parole after four. Mm -hmm. See again. She was doing most of the work, yet he got the harder sentence.
1: Dang, yeah.
0: Now, in January 2018, Ira sought to have his guilty plea and sentence vacated, claiming that Kelly coerced him into pleading guilty to benefit her own sentencing deal with the prosecutors. A judge rejected his appeal in April 2018. Now, since the conviction of her ex husband, Susan Bernstein has campaigned for tougher penalties against those found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder in the state of New York. Currently classified as a nonviolent crime, sentences can be for as little as one year, while lawmakers hope to make it a violent felony with sentences ranging from five to 25 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, after one year, you can be like, okay, now I want to give this person even more. Let's go back to the right. board.
0: Right,
1: like it's. there's some weird laws. And then, like, you get, like, you get, like, prison for you know, possession of uh, drugs.
0: Right, forever.
1: Like, yeah, forever. that's a life sentence. Yeah, and, like, even though you're going to use a drug, like, yeah, even if you're the user or the seller, like, you know, but if you plan to kill someone, mm. one year is minimum. That's crazy. It's, it is crazy
0: because. Like you said, all that's going to do is give them a year to plan better, yeah. to become to, angrier. To, to talk to other
1: prison people. All like right. Like, you ever kill someone, how'd you do it? Uh, like, okay. maybe find
0: a real hitman.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. You got connections on the outside. Okay, let me know who your guy is. Right. That's mm-hmm. crazy.
0: But Susan is, is campaigning to get that change. So, go Susan, go.
1: Yeah. And, and I hate that Susan had to deal with all this, you know. Right. Now, Susan she service. probably
0: wasn't a Innocent victim. Mm-hmm. When I say that, meaning you know they were getting divorced, it's never just one sided, yeah, but yeah, not to the point where she, yeah, yeah, she didn't
1: needed to be, to be get a hit on right hit on her. <laughs> get assassinated.
0: And also kudos to Markenzie Luson.
1: Man, Mc, Markenzie Luson, he he is the man of the hour. He, he is really is quick on his speed about everything. Man, that's crazy. If I was in a situation, I don't know what I'd do. I'd mm-hmm. be stuttering the whole time.
0: Would jump
1: out the car and ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I, I gotta go. Just leaving. That's crazy. But that was a very interesting case, also. And like, would you know it? Like, my sting operation was a police force. Your sting operation was a law, a law um, uh, concerned citizen. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's really undercover right there. That is. You know, it'd be, like, really cool, like, you know, because, like, that's one of those movie things, like, you know, like, some pedestrian helps cops for police work, and at the end, they're like, you know what, here's a badge, you know, <laughs> like, if, 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 if car, selling cars does not work out, come talk to us, you know, something like that.
0: Hey, I mean, Dude. he, he was able to, to hold it together, I mean, a month-long sting.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, with no experience.
0: And never no tr- once did he bring anybody else in, like, no, no. hey, here's my hitman, I want you to meet this person. He just took the brunt of this on his shoulders and
1: yeah. followed through. Man, that's, that's crazy, man. He, I mean, Chris, Chris Tucker needs to play him in a movie or something, or or he, you know, back in the nineties, he could have played him in a movie if it happened back then. But this, but this was like what, twenty eleven,
0: twenty twelve? Uh, twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Like
1: so, this was super recent. Oh my gosh! Like I mean, I mean, I, I guess, guess people still do it because like what got me is like, that like you know. know Kelly wanted well well I ran Kelly wanted someone to beat up the insurance people. Right. Like I mean that's something that mobs used to do back in the fifties and sixties. Like, you know, they used to go beat up someone so they don't so they don't mess with someone anymore or they beat up the store owners so that they pay them for protection money. I mean, I don't know if they still do stuff like that. I'm sure they use weapons now, you know, like
0: But my thing is Okay, you beat up these two. Who's to say the insurance company isn't going to send two more people? Yeah, it's a
1: whole company. So
0: you're just going to have to have a a constant meal of people to beat up insurance (laughs) agents?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you are paying all these people, but you can't pay, like, you know, the 700 grand or 1.4 million for these people. But you're out here paying thousands to have someone just get beat up.
0: Right. Like, it did that. That didn't make any sense either. But I guess, you know, criminals who get caught are not smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah.
0: Because, you know, like, it's not like this is a two-man operation. They, they work for a major insurance company that I will not name because I also work for that major insurance company.
1: <laughs> is That, <laughs> that, what, that <laughs> would entice you to this case a little bit?
0: No, no. Actually, seeing the, um like, the videos and everything play out on the Dateline or 48 yeah. Hours or whatever, I was like, these people can't be that stupid. <laughs>
1: it's, oh, man.
0: I'm like, just... Any like why not go to someone who you? Again, I just don't understand what made her think that this mm. luxury car salesman would have ties to and, a hitman like.
1: And, and the fact that Ira was like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's 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 talk to him about it. I mean, no, I, don't know. I, don't, know. I just don't know. She
0: she must have just been telling Ira that he was yeah. all kind of stuff. Like, yeah, right. He
1: just came out of nowhere making out stuff. It's right. Like, like, yeah, yeah, he's a running gang. He yeah, has right. connections all over.
0: Like, he, he takes cars to the shop, shop, shop. Yeah. And, you know, this is just a front. <laughs> he don't really sell them. But, like, but before coming to New
1: go. York, he used to do time in Jersey. He had prison time in Jersey. Right. Everything. Got face tattoos. Never had tattoos tattoo in his life. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: But it didn't work out, which worked out great for Susan. Yeah. And her children.
1: Yeah, yeah, really good. And um so so these stories right here, they're of undercover operations. And that's one thing that criminals, you know, have to look out for. Because I mean like you really can't trust anyone, like ever. No. Like ever, ever. So if you're doing crime, like just like stop because you're gonna end up trusting someone and they'll end up being a cop. You know, two years down the road, like, you know, they'll they'll come to your, your sister's wedding with you. Oh, you know, be your best friend at bars, like, you know, talk to you about emotional stuff. The next thing you know, boom, you're under arrest, you know? Thought you were homies, but no, you were just, you you were just feeding them all the information they needed. Hmm.
0: This is a prime example, two prime examples of why we shouldn't talk about crime.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. roll credits, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything else you want to talk about today, Key?
0: Um... Well no, I mean these weren't two terribly sad stories. No uh so mm-mm. I don't think we have to uplift at the end of this one. I mean
1: No, no, no. They were they were kinda kinda funny in a way.
0: Yeah. Mm. Funny because the stupid people got caught.
1: Yeah, yeah. Funny because like, you know, the idiocracy going on, not because right. of the crime.
0: <laughs> well, then I guess That's the end of episode eight. That one felt good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I'm glad I got to start this one. It's a different turn of events for me. Yeah. (laughs) Mixing things up. Yeah. And more mixing to go, too. Well, everyone, I am V. And I'm Key. And we shouldn't talk about this.
0: Bye.